Why don't you go ahead and open up your Bibles? It is a pleasure to be here this morning. I'm a little exhausted. I was uh, at a funeral uh, yesterday in Buffalo and I drove back and I'm just like beat. So maybe the sermon just be really short today. Maybe, maybe, no promises. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter six. If you're just joining us or you've been gone for a little bit, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it's a, a beautiful discourse of Jesus's message to his disciples and we've been working through it for the last several weeks with some interruptions. And this morning, we find ourselves talking about giving, right? So Matthew chapter six, we're only gonna be reading four verses. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a Bible in the pew back in front of you. You can grab that Bible, open up to page 811. 811, and if you don't own a Bible, that is our gift to you. All right, Matthew chapter six. Verses one through four. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Verse two. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know from your right hand is doing, and so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, in this section that we get into the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing, um, he's going to address three, three major pillars, three major virtues, so to speak, um, that are really important to the Jewish community, but are also important to us as believers. He's going to address our motive concerning prayer, concerning fasting, and concerning money. He starts with money in this section. And in the Jewish community during Jesus' day, those three things were extremely important Right, that because that is what the Jewish community was able to see faithfulness. Right, like they were able to see prayer and fasting and giving of alms as important things in the Jewish community. And Jesus is going to address their motives behind it. Right, he's going to address their 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 motive behind why they do the things that they do in their devotion. Right? When you think of prayer, fasting, and you think of giving, it's, it has to do with our devotion to God, and he's going to address the proper motive. In fact, he's going to address our motive. He's going to address our intentions. And it's interesting in this passage, the first thing that Jesus says in verse one is beware. He's warning us. He's warning his true disciples, right? What is he warning them of? He's warning them, right, that, that their external practice of righteousness, their public display of goodness, their public display of, of, of righteousness ought to be with the right motives, 
right? In previous sections, Jesus, are talk, Jesus addresses the things in our heart, right? He, he addresses lust and, and he addresses oath and anger and retaliation. But now Jesus is going to address what motivates you to do the thing that other people see. And he's going to warn his disciples. So here's the main point. We can sum up the sermon this way. Our righteousness, our display of righteousness must exceed the superficial, the sinful righteousness that was established by the religious leaders of Jesus' time. Jesus is warning us this morning that we, you and me, do not form a habit or a practice publicly so that we can receive praise, so that we can receive accolades by the people who see us, right? And what Jesus more specifically in this section is saying, hey, don't give to the needy. Don't give of your money, your time, your resources, your energy to the church, to charities, to people in need to be noticed. That's his main point. We're not to shine the spotlight on our good works and our wealth and our capacity and our resources so that other people might notice us. And now you might th be thinking to yourself, that's not me. That, that's not who I am. I, I, don't, I don't seek the praises of other people. Well, maybe, maybe not, but at some point you have. At some point, right, your, your motivation for giving, your motivation for giving of your resources I'm sure have been with the wrong motives. And Jesus is saying to us, hey, we ought to have the right motives. And I know this is a difficult topic because let me tell you something. I, I don't want to talk about money, right? We live in a culture, particularly in the church culture now, right? That, that over time, it's almost taboo to talk about money because why? There, there, there's a lot of misunderstanding about money. There's a lot of misunderstanding in the church about how much we should give? Should we give 10%? Is it 10% of net? Is it 10% of gross, right? When do I stop giving? When should I give? How much I should give? I don't have, so what should I do? Right, there's a lot of misunderstandings behind giving. And oftentimes the message is give, give, give. Then on the flip side of it, right, what we see on TV and what we've maybe experienced in our past history, right, that there's a lot of abuse, right, pastors and preachers who, who say that God is a God who rewards you for how much you give, and God has a blessing for you, and it's wealth and prosperity, and you can have that as long as you sign a check to my ministry, so we see on TV, televangelists, if you follow, if you have an Instagram, how many of you have Instagram, raise your hand. Okay, some of you. Um, I, 
I like following certain accounts. Um, and one of the accounts I follow is called Preachers and Sneakers. Um, you laugh. I didn't make it up. It's an actual account. The reason why I like watching, uh, why I follow that page, because it's interesting. The whole, the whole handle or the whole account is dedicated to getting pictures of pastors preaching. And then what they do is they tell you the cost of their outfit. Right? Um, yeah, you... It's actually kind of, for me, it's funny, but I have a weird sense of humor. So like, you guys are like, oh my gosh, that's so bad. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, he has a $5,000 pair of Prada sneakers. Like, whoa, that's crazy. Right? I mean, I find it funny, but my humor is a little different. Um, some of you are like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Uh, and sometimes it's, it's meant to be funny and it's also meant to, to kind of spotlight how Right, the, the guy that's saying, hey, you should give money for what we're doing here is wearing really expensive outfits. Like his suit is like $10,000. I don't even know what $10,000 look like, right? I mean, like, I don't, I don't like, think, and not in like money, but like, I don't even know what, like, I, I've never been to a store, or I don't think I've ever been to a store. Maybe I've walked through a store in a mall, but I've never actually looked at something that was worth far more than I am, right? Like, I've never like, wow, that is really expensive. Maybe a, a wedding dress, right? But I, I don't know. Anyway, so, so it's all dedicated to this whole idea, right, that pastors with really lavish lifestyles. So there's a lot of not only misunderstandings, but there's a lot of abuse, right? The televangelists, right? Write a check to my ministry. I'm gonna send you, you know, a little five by five uh, rectangular uh, cloth. And, it, and if you pray over the cloth, it's gonna bless you. And then you end up finding out, it's like, wow, that person has five mansions and they're living a really good lifestyle. So, so I am well aware that the difficulty of this sermon is to talk about money, to talk about resources because of the misunderstandings about it and also the abuse in the past. But I want us to focus our attention on this passage and what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking about giving to the needy. And in, Jew in, in Jesus' time, in the Jewish community, they used to give alms. Where were alms? Alms were acts of mercy. They were... They were um, gifts given to people in need. They were either money, clothes, food, resources, whatever it was, it was given to the people who most needed it in the community. And it was expected in the Jewish community and in Jesus' time to give, right? So what we see in this passage, if you look at verse two with me, look at verse two, thus, when you give to the needy, the expectation is this, that you give. There isn't an option, right? It isn't, hey, give if you feel like it. It isn't, well, if you're in a good mood, you should give. Or they have this pet project that, they, that they're doing at the church or at the, at the charity. Like, it's your favorite thing. That's when you should give. No, no, no. Jesus is, has the expectation for every true follower, right? He's talking to his disciples, and he's saying, when you give. And notice what he says. It's not, not when y'all give. Not when we give, right? Like, the idea that maybe people in the group will give, but not everyone will give. No, he's talking to you. He says, you, 
you follower of Jesus Christ, you, my disciple, when you give, this is how you give. So the expectation for us as followers of Jesus, and I know this is hard to hear, is that all of us give. I am well aware not everyone can give. But Jesus is commanding us that there is something that we can give, whether it's our finances, resources, talents, abilities, and skills. Now, when I preach this sermon to you, I'm not preaching that we don't give. We are a very generous church. The people of our church are very generous, not only with their finances, but with their resources. People who uh, devote a much time and attention to giving up their talents and skills for the church. But what Jesus is helping us to remember is our motive to give. So beyond the expectation of give, when you give, Jesus is also telling us how we should give. Look at that second verse again. When you give to the needy, right? When you give to to the church, the charity, the person who's in need, right? We talked about that in previous verses. The person who asks and begs and the Lord leads you in your heart to give that person How does he want us to give? He wants us to give not by sounding a trumpet. Right? Thus, when you give, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. What is Jesus saying in this passage? Well, he's not saying that in a literal sense that people in those those days walked around the streets blasting a trumpet to say, hey, here's when I'm giving. Right? Like, They're not, in a literal sense, walking around with a trumpet. I don't know what a trumpet sounds like. I think that's, I did it right. I don't know. We'll edit that one out. But what Jesus is pointing to is that, that when the religious leaders gave money to the poor, gave money to people in need, they sought the attention of everyone in the community. They wanted everyone to see that, hey, look at me. I'm whipping out the check. Look at what I'm doing. Look, look how I'm helping. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. When you give, you don't have to show that you're giving. And I want you to notice like the places that they were doing this. Notice the two places. What are the two places that Jesus is saying that they were being really prideful in showing that that they were giving to the poor? Where were the two places? Look at it again. Verse two, where? In the synagogues and in the streets. So what does that mean? It means means that when they were in church, when, when they were among the religious body, when they were in among the religious community, they were telling people, hey, I'm giving now. Look at me. And then in the streets, meaning like in the rest of the community, they wanted the rest of the world to see how good and awesome they were by their gift. And Jesus is saying, hey, don't do that. Don't be like them. Don't be a people who seek the accolades of others in what you have to offer. 
And why does Jesus say that? Why does Jesus say not to do it that way? Well, it's really simple. They wanted to be praised by others, but then he says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So, so Jesus is saying, hey, you want to give like the hypocrites? You, you want people to see how awesome and great you are? You want to be noticed with how much money you were able to give? You want people to notice how much money you have and how that you're helping other people? Here's your reward. Their reward is to be praised and that is the extent of your reward that people will notice. And you might be thinking like, hey, that's, that's not bad. That's awesome, right? Like some of us look at NBA players, football players, and, and, and we imagine what life would look like if we were them, everybody with the accolades and praises of, of their accomplishments and their skills. But remember, that is the extent of their reward. That means like the best thing that you'll ever get is receiving praises from people. And for the Christian believer, that is the worst thing that you could ever receive. That's the thing that you don't want. You don't want to be noticed. You don't want to be praised. Because you know in your sinful heart, you're going to be tempted to think, right? You're going to be tempted to find your identity in what people say to you. You're going to be tempted to fall into the trap that I am worth something if people notice what I can do. And we live in a culture that's all about attention. Am I right? I mean, social media is not about being social. Social media is about, look at me. Look how great I am. Look how awesome I am. Look how spiritual I am. Look how wealthy I am. A world that seeks attention. Sports players that seek attention and worship. And Jesus is saying, that's all you're getting. Now, for the unbeliever, that's awesome, right? But here's what happens. What, what do you think long-term it happens? It doesn't fill you up. The praising and accolades of other people cannot satisfy you. It leaves you empty. So when it leaves you empty, what do you seek out more? More attention. You seek out more praise. You seek out more worship. Look at me. Look at my Instagram page. Look at my TikTok, TikTok whatever you want to call it. <laughs> slip. <laughs> we'll go with the tic-tac. I like it. <laughs> right? Look at me. Look how great I am. Look how wonderful our family is. Look how well-behaved and clean the kids are. Right? Like, and then people comment, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. I got to do more of this. And mind you, your life is a mess. You're, you're in shambles. And Jesus is saying, don't be like the hypocrites who seek the praise and attention. Because as a, as a true believer in Jesus Christ, your ultimate desire is not to fulfill your own selfish gratification. The ultimate desire you have is that when people see you, when they notice you, they notice Jesus. Right? Like that is the ultimate goal. Now, does it mean that people, that you should, when you give or how you give your resources, that People are not going to find out. People will find out. It's not your job, though, to bring attention. Your job is to humbly serve, give, 
And the reason why we give, the reason why we give our resources is because we know that the resources are not ours, they're his. And we're just stewards of what God has given us. So for the person in this room that says, this is my money, my job, my house, Jesus says to you, no, 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 no. I gave that to you. So we give back to say, God, we acknowledge that you are generous and gracious to us. We give back a portion to you, knowing full well that there's a lot of craziness going on, right? Like Knowing full well that at times we might not necessarily agree or understand how the giving is, but, but, but we trust your hand is in it. See, but the religious leaders, they only gave to be seen. Jesus is saying, give not to be seen. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 23 about the religious leaders. I keep pointing back to Matthew 23 because Jesus calls out the hypocrites. And this is what he says in verse 23 in chapter 23. This is his rebuke. This is Jesus calling out the religious leaders more explicitly. He says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, the paid religious leaders of Jesus' time. That's who's he talking to. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and plate, that the outside may also be clean. Here's a question for you. Are you more inclined to give because there is an audience? Are you eager to show and tell people what you give and what you have? Like the religious leaders Jesus calls out in this section. Have you neglected faithfulness and justice and mercy and exchange that with wealth and prosperity, have, have, you, have you thought in your mind, in your heart, that the good works that you show others, that you do in the church or in your community or at the, the charitable organization, like, are you doing those things so that people can see you? Are you like the Pharisees who want the attention and glory of others. Jesus is saying, hey, a true disciple doesn't seek the attention of other people. A true disciple seeks to glorify and magnify Jesus. I love verse three. Look at verse three. Go back to Matthew chapter six, verse three, six, three and four. Right, so... Jesus is saying, when you give, don't seek out your own personal 
accolades. Verse three, Jesus said, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. What is Jesus saying in that section? Essentially what Jesus is saying and telling us that we ought to have the right motives in giving. We shouldn't convince ourselves of a reason why we should give other than to glorify God. As a commentator said, we shouldn't be building up one's own image in everyone else's eyes. And that when we do give, we should give with the proper motive, the good and right motive. You give to honor and bring fame to Jesus. So why should we give? If you read verse four, you say, well, I should give because there's a reward. And don't think I'm gonna get prosperity on you. But Jesus says there's a reward, right? So, so our motivation shouldn't be, oh, I give so I can get something in return. But Jesus is saying, when you give, you'll get something back. But, but what is it that we get back? What is the reward and for many of us, it's very simple. For the vast majority of us, when we give, the reward is this. It's Jesus himself. It's the satisfaction. It's the contentment. It's the joy. Knowing, right, that he gets the praise and he gets the glory. That's our reward. There's some other things that come to mind when I think of reward, right? But, but I'm gonna give you just a couple of reasons. Beyond just, just the praise and majesty of Jesus, here's what I think happens. When we give our talents, our resources, whatever it is, when we give, we get to see God's character of generosity operating in us and through us. Because when we give, we are reminded that the person who gave us is far more generous to us than we could ever be to him. Think about that for a second. That God has been far more generous to you than you could ever be to him. And let me say this, right? Like, if you think that I'm preaching a sermon that we need your money, hear this. When God created the heavens and the earth, when he put the stars in the sky and the planets in the sky, he didn't need your money to do it. He was perfectly fine doing it by the power of his word. So this isn't me saying, hey, God needs your money. He's been doing fine without us for a really long time. So don't hear the message, oh, Tim's wanting the money because God needs your money. He don't need you. He don't need your money. Trust me. But surely we need him. And when we give, we are reminded that God has been generous to us when he didn't have to. When God gave us breath in our lungs, when God gave us the ability to work and have resources, 
when God has given us everything that we need. And most importantly, how has God been generous to us? By giving his son Jesus so that you and I can say we have new life. So when we give, we see God's generosity. I think of Psalms 103. If you ever get a chance to read Psalms 103. Psalms 103 is about how God has been generous to you and me. And our response to a generous God is not just giving to him. Our response is acknowledgement and praise to him who gives. Here's another reason why we should give. We should give so that others might praise God. What does Matthew 5, 16, right? When Jesus is talking about salt and light, what does he say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16? He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to who? Your Father who's in heaven. So, so we give with great humility, right? That we give with great humility. And if people notice that we give, they should be able to see our humility. And they should be able to respond with what? Praise to God for what he has done through you. That's the whole point. So when people see your good works, when they see how well you serve, how well you love, how well you care for other people, they're able to say, wow, God is good. God is generous and God is faithful. Now you might be sitting here and saying, well, I have nothing to give. Yeah, you do. Everyone has something to give. May not be money, but you can give your time, your energy, your affections to the Lord. You don't want to live a life knowing that you could have given back to the Lord your resources, your talents, whatever you have to him and say, I could have done more so that others people, other people can see Jesus clearly. Here's another reason why we should give and I'm going to keep repeating it. It's not only the principle doesn't apply just to money, but it it, it applies to resources. It applies to skills, time, energy, to the people who need it, right? And our time, like we give to the church so that the church can help those in need, right? In those times, they gave at times to the religious leaders and sometimes they gave to the people themselves. We live in a culture where we're able to give to organizations and charities and churches, Right, so the principle applies to us, right? That when we give, we not only give to receive, not only, but we give so that people might praise God. But the other thing is just joy and contentment, right? The Bible says, Paul says in Acts chapter 20, it is better to give than it is to receive, right? It is better to give than it is to receive. There's much reward in that. And the reward, like I said, is joy and peace. Here's a couple of questions for us to evaluate. This is me. This is you. Are we tempted to publicly do good deeds so that people might notice? Is our motivation to give money, time, resources, energy, skills, and talents is so that others might praise us? Or maybe you haven't gave. Maybe you don't give of your resources, your talent, your energy, your affection, whatever it is, because of whatever issue you have with the church or other people. 
The command is to give. It's to trust that his hand is working when you think it is not. Maybe you're jaded with how the church and organizations have abused and mishandled money or talked about money. Is that still the proper motivation not to give? Our life is meant to be sacrificial for those in need, is meant to be sacrificial for the lives of others so that Jesus might be proclaimed and Jesus might be known. Why don't you take a minute as we pray to evaluate your own heart? Like I said, this ain't a glamorous sermon but it is a convicting one. How has God blessed you with his resources and his capacity and abilities that he's placed in you? Do you have the right motives in the things that you are doing? If they are not, if they're bad motives for praise and worship of yourself and your capacity, why don't you take a minute to confess that to the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. Father God, you are good, you are great, and we thank you for this word. We thank you, God, in this moment that you would search our hearts and minds. Would you give us, O oh Lord, by the power of your spirit, a proper view of your word as it regards to, in regards to giving, whether our time, our resources, our finances. Father God, would you help us to lean into difficult commandments of scripture for your honor and your glory. We pray this in Christ's name, everyone says. So we got a couple of things happening um, here in our service. Um, one, we have a baptism that we're about to do. Um, I'll give you the reason why. Um, we have our friend Pierre. Pierre is a member of Campus Focus um, and he's part of this uh, right, small group right here. I think the name of the group is the Berean Bunch because I guess they meet in the Berean room. Um, and we're doing a baptism today because he's leaving today, right? Oh, he's leaving Tuesday. Pierre is from Cairo, Egypt, and he wanted to get baptized in the church that he loves and the church that has discipled him and influenced him really well before he flies back home. So I'm gonna give you a couple of things about Pierre as he comes out. Pierre grew up in a Christian home in Cairo, Egypt, this past year, he faced a season of depression and strained relationships that made him realize he was not fully focused on Christ. He felt his life was crumbling because his identity was found, was found, excuse me, his identity was influenced by cultural standards, being liked by his peers and achieving worldly success and happiness. When he thought, excuse me, what he thought was a semester-long trip to Akron to further his education turned out to be the time and place that God would do a mighty work in his heart. This semester, the biblical teachings he received at the chapel and campus focus and the example set by his community here showed him what it looks like to live out his faith in a more genuine and authentic way. Pierre believes Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection paid for his sins. He leaves Akron later and goes back to home declaring his faith through baptism. So, Pierre, 
a question for you. Do you believe in our Lord Jesus Christ and want to declare your faith in Jesus Christ through baptism today? I do. All right. Oh gosh, is that what you guys see when you guys look at the screen? My goodness, I am so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'll work on that this summer. Um, it's a beautiful testimony, baptism, a beautiful testimony of what God has done on the inside of our hearts. And what a beautiful testimony in Pierre's life that he wanted to get baptized here before he goes to Egypt. So let's quickly, let's pray over Pierre as he goes back. I don't know what he's going back to. I know he comes from a Christian background, but we want to pray a blessing and covering over him that when he goes back, that God would lead him and guide him and shepherd him. Jesus Christ, we come to you knowing that you have the power by, the, by your Holy Spirit to do above and beyond we could ever imagine. So we pray a blessing over Pierre. We ask you, God, that wherever he goes, he would bring you honor and fame. And I also pray, God, that his faith would grow, that his passion for your word, his passion to be in godly community would grow so that others might see you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.